opens the face as easy as you like and the celebrations tells you everything 15th test match 100 the first in England what a couple of years he's had in test match cricket you can see what that 100 means to him Welcome to the Unplayable Podcast, brought to you by Qantas Spirit of Australia. And day two at Edgebaston was a bit more traditional than what we saw yesterday. Yesterday on day one, we were enthralled by the freewheeling spirits of baseball and cricket. But today, day two, Australia, they just sort of did their thing and um, did it pretty well too. I'm Josh Onafinger. I'm joined by Louis Cameron. Louis, what did you make of day two here in Birmingham? Well, I was still enthralled by the freewheeling spirit of England. It was just in a slightly different way. We, it was the first time I've seen baseball up close in terms of from a bowling point of view. Uh, and it was nuts. There were weird fields. There was Harry Brook bowling inside the first you know, 90 minutes or so. There was uh, seven bowlers used before lunch. Uh, he just throws everything at it. I, I really enjoy it. I thought it was really effective for a lot of the days. They wrangled out five of the Aussie wickets in pretty quick time. They wrangled out four in really quick time uh, on a really, really flat wicket. I thought that they went about it really smartly, um, but it was McQuadra. He was just spectacular, wasn't he? And even Alex Carey towards the end of the day, you know, just kept him at bay. He was. We'll get to Usman Quadra in just a moment, but I'll run you through the scores. Australia started the day at none for 14. Finished the day on five for 311. As you said, they lost three wickets in the first session to be three for 67. That was David Warner minus Labuschagne falling in consecutive balls to Stuart Broad. And then Steve Smith was LBW to Ben Stokes for 16. But then it was Usman Khawaja and Travis Head who put on a bit of a partnership to get Australia back into the game. Usman Khawaja finished with 126 not out. And Travis Head and both Alex Carey got half centuries. Cameron Green got 38 before he was undone by a bit of a peach from Moeen Alley, actually. And Australia finished the day 80 runs adrift. And with five wickets in hand, I think they'll be pretty happy considering they were three for 67 at lunch, or nearing lunch. Yeah, three for 67 and then four for 148. You know, let's not overlook what Travis Head did today. We can talk about his dismissal, but 50 off uh, 63 balls. He only batted for a bit more than an hour, which is kind of amazing. Um, and he just kept donking Moen Alley over his head, didn't he? Just he took the bait. He's um, he said that he has been freed up by this mindset where he can go out and attack. He did that. This was the probably the best example of Stokes's captaincy today. He kept the field up for uh, for Head and and everyone else, but particularly for Head. Uh, while Moen was bowling, he kept donging him back over his head and it paid off eventually. Um, head, who'd nearly been caught at mid-wicket a couple of overs before that, um, then tried to go over mid-on again and he just smeared it towards uh, Zach Crawley. So, I mean, he basically bought the wicket. And when you have 400, nearly 400 runs on the board, I think they should have more runs on the board, as I said on yesterday's yes, yes. podcast. But, you know, you can do that. You can attack. Um, so, great captaincy, I thought. And I found it interesting as well, while we're talking about Moeen Ali, first game in a long, long time, as we mentioned uh, on the last episode, and he bowled 18 overs straight there. And as you said, the batters were going after him. He was going about five and over, but Stokes kept him on and on and on as the quicks rotated at the other end. And um, it was it was interesting captaincy, you got to say that. 
Yeah, and I thought he actually bowled a lot better than I expected him to. He a few times at the start of maybe when he came back on, he looked a bit um, a bit rusty and dragged a few down. But apart from that, he I mean he kind of did it did what it said on the tin, didn't he? He said that he he can't hold an end up. He probably undersold himself a little bit, and he did bowl some wicket taking balls. The ball to the green was a ripper that you know probably probably spun the most out of any in this test. Green playing against the spin was that advisable? That's a, a different question, but. Um, he held his nerve against Head. This is why they picked him, right? Because Stokes wanted a guy that he knew that he could leave mid on, mid off up, mm. and you wouldn't he wouldn't get overawed. If you pick some guy out of county cricket who isn't experienced at test level, who hasn't been in the IPL and been in these pressure moments, maybe they go to water a bit, and then you know they're not used to captains keeping mid on, mid off up when you, as you said, going at five and over. So. They, I think they got a lot out of him. The interesting bit was uh, Paul Collingwood talking about Moe and Ali at the press conference today. Maybe let's have a listen to what he said about uh, his callous fingers. Um, I think spinners generally get um, you know, wear and tear on the fingers. Um, that's part and parcel of a spinner's job. They've got, they've got to you know, grip the seam and, um, and give it a rip. And um, I think all spinners have um, you know, blisters and, and calluses and... Um, you know, on, on the spinning fingers, so it's um, he's no different to anybody else. So um, that's again, that's part and parcel of Test cricket. All right, let's get into the moment of the day. Brought to you by Qantas, the Spirit of Australia, official airline of the Australian cricket team, and proudly representing Australia on the world stage, flying to more than ninety-five destinations around the globe. Louis, what have we decided was today's moment of the day? It. At the mo at the time of it, I thought it was going to be hard to go past Stuart Broad taking two wickets in two balls. This swing from Broad, he talked about trying the other swinger to Labuschagne and Smith. He's produced one and has got Labuschagne first ball. What a delivery and what a catch! The ball to get. Warn it. I mean, it wasn't. It was different to 2019, right? Like in 2019, he was getting him out with genuine wicket-taking balls. This was just good bowling in terms of good pressure build-up. Uh, he had Anderson at the other end keeping it tight as well, and Warner finally just got that little bit of width. He might have nipped back a little bit, and he chopped onto his stumps. But the moment after that, when this is, I'm spending a lot of time on this for, <laughs> for something that's not going to be moment of the day. Uh, but I loved it that much. I, I love Stuart Broad. Yeah, and it was a huge moment. It was. It was, and it kind of got. I mean, he was Broad was pumping the crowd up. I don't know if it came through on the TV, but he's almost like Virat Kohli does yeah, in. Yeah. Um, you know, when he plays Test cricket, we say, you know, what a character Coley is. But Broad is pumping him up. He you see tennis his players hand. do it sometimes too, don't you? Really getting their hands involved with the crowd. I've never seen an English cricketer do it. And that was, it was great. Running in with his headband away from us. And then, uh, you know, uh, it almost felt like maybe Manus Labuschagne facing that first ball. He might have been a little bit G'd up by Broad as well because I don't reckon he's playing that shot otherwise. He's normally got really good judgment. And he just looked like that first ball nerves where, yeah, I just need to play the ball, it was quite wide and got the edge and Johnny Bess, I took a great catch. It's not my moment of the day. Okay. The moment of the day was, was McQuadja uh, throwing his bat for reasons he couldn't even really explain why in the press conference later on. Um, I thought it was uh, it was great. I mean, it was a lot of frustration build up for him and maybe we can have a listen to what he said as well about it. I honestly don't know. <laughs> I think it was a combination of three Ashes tours in England and being dropped in two of them and I don't read the media. I generally do not read the media, but I mean, I'm getting sprayed by the crowd as I'm walking out there today, and as I'm going to the nets, that I can't score runs in England. So I guess it was just uh, a bit of 
bit more emotional than normal. I feel like I'm saying this all the time. Same thing happened in India. Um, not that I have a point to prove, but it's it's nice to go out and and score runs for Australia and yeah, just just to show everyone that you know the last ten years hasn't been a fluke. So just to explain, that bat throw wasn't during his innings. That was during his century celebration. A little dab down to third man, and he let out a guttural roar didn't he it was heard around the ground and then as he was celebrating with his arms aloft and his helmet off he decided just to toss the bat so um, a unique celebration and it's great because we don't see a lot of unique century celebrations these days yeah and you heard him explain there as well about why he felt that way I mean getting dropped in 2013 uh, on his first Ashes tour over here when he was very young 10 years ago now Mm. and then he missed 2015 I think he was maybe had the broken leg at the time 2019 came back here and got dropped after the Headingley test. So a lot of emotion. He said that he'd even been kind of abused walking, um, you know, away from the nets here. It's You have to kind of walk through the crowd. So the crowd were kind of letting him know, you can't bat in England, mate. But thought he was the one who stayed calm in the in the face of this baseball barrage of tactics and Stokes constantly cycling through his bowlers, different fields, yeah. and Kawaja was just perfectly measured through it all. It just none of it phased him. He was... Uh, you know, his brain was ticking over, as I think he explained it, but he didn't let it affect him where it might have affected some of the other, other Australians. Poor record in England before Definitely, this. Definitely, yeah. I was having a look before, seven tests, 14 innings, uh, and an average of 17.78. Uh, Had only passed 50 once before this inning, so um, it was obviously a, a big moment for him. Do you think the slowness of the pitch helped him here as well? I mean, we saw, and we commented during the play, just how he was pulling balls that weren't necessarily short. The slowness of the pitch, and maybe the slowness of the bowlers, in fairness to the England quicks compared to someone like Mark Wood, do you think that sort of helped him as well, and also considering it wasn't doing a lot sideways? Yeah, I think I think it did. Um, and you're right, he played that pull shot really well. He uh, he played the spin really well. He also went after Moe and Ali at times. Yeah, he did, yeah, yeah. And, and donked him back over his head. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that definitely was a factor. And so you touched on Travis Head just before as well, but that was an important innings because it sort of changed the momentum of the game, didn't it? He came out and took a little bit more time than he normally would, but Australia were really, don't want to say struggling, but their scoring rate was um, meandering along. Head came in, Moen Ali was on at the other end, and all of a sudden the runs began to flow. Yeah, uh, as I said before, I thought he um, he did really well. Uh, to, to kind of do that and, you know, maybe I'd, I'd say he'd probably just look back at his shot and say, oh, well, I should have hit it yeah. cleanly over the top and um, should have backed myself in even more. I know that's definitely what one of the England players would have said. That kind of meandering feeling, I mean, that was, you know, a, a lot of that had to do with Steve Smith, right? Like he, yeah. there was another quite slow innings uh, for him and we know that's kind of how he's operating now a lot more. It just um, he, he occupies the crease and he's probably finding the scoring a bit harder uh, than he used to. So I think he's, he's you know, during his peak, he would take a lot of time to get in and wait for them um, to bowl at him. The problem is now he's getting out earlier. Like, it's a, you know, it's a pretty simple way of putting it. But I don't think in 2019 that he's missing that ball from from Stokes. Admittedly, it did keep keep low. And Crickviz had a good stat saying that it was the lowest bounce from a good length of any of the balls uh, today. So, yeah, he was a little bit unlucky that one keeps low. But Balls do keep low on English surfaces, and um, it's it's just something that he's got to be wary of. I don't know um, if it's something. It looks like he's moving a long way across his crease. Whether that's something he can look at, 
Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a little watch and see, I think, for Steve Smith. Yeah, you also uh, mentioned during play that there's a bit of a trend um, occurring this English summer that uh, Smith has been out LBW four times now, including three in county cricket. Is that a concern for the Aussie batter or nothing to really read into? It's maybe not a concern, but it's something that's happening more and more of now. So he, he didn't get out LBW in the World Test Championship final, but every you're right, every game he's played against English players in England okay, on this tour, yes, yep. he's been at LBW yep. um, the three times in county cricket. One of those times he was on 80 or 90, I mm. think. So, um, yeah, I mean, he moves across his crease a long way. This is what England thought in 2019. We'll, we'll just keep buying the stumps and eventually he'll miss one. He didn't. Uh, that, was, that was the headline of that. Uh, and, and now he is. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty simple. I would back the, you know, Test Cricket's best problem solver to maybe find a solution to it because he, you know, he looked great at the Oval last week. And it was a bit of a contrasting day for the two <laughs> wicket keepers. Uh, Johnny Bairstow had a tougher day behind the stumps. It began in fine fashion with a stunning one-handed grab to get Manus Labuschagne, but then a couple of half chances that went down uh, off the spinners. And so Bairstow will obviously have that to mull over. But for the Australian perspective, Alex Scarry had a great day and maybe it's going to be um, lost in the Usman Khawaja um, congratulations, which which is fine and reasonable, but Kerry made 52 not out, um, played really well. He's put that reverse sweep away and he's becoming a really reliable low-order batter for Australia. England have made their bed in terms of Bairstow uh, and it's already, look, it's bore fruit in day one. Bairstow oh, made, batted beautifully, uh, game-changing innings, but they have the best wicketkeeper in the world, um, everyone seems to say, in Ben Folkes. He's been really successful at test level. He's no mug with the bat either. He's not Johnny Bairstow, but um, they haven't picked him. Mm. So I, I don't reckon folks who's a, who's a good keeper to spin as well as pace, I'm not sure he's making uh, those mistakes if, if he was in the team. But uh, I think England would prefer the extra batting. Yeah. And maybe just a word on Harry Brook. We saw him talk the talk pre-series, and then he was throwing the ball within the first hour today, bowled one over there, and I think he maybe got a bowl later in the day as well, following these little dibbly-dobbly medium pacer things off the wrong foot as well, by the way. Um, did we expect Harry Brook to have a role in this series with the ball? Well, he got asked uh, during his press conference the other day, and he said, yeah, I might bowl some, you know, around the time that the new ball, or, you know, just yeah, before sure. the second new ball yep. comes, but certainly not this early. And Paul Collingwood said in the press conference before that it was a bit of a maverick move from Stokes, <laughs> and, you know, he does things that surprises even then. This is how England... Uh, play and you know I didn't mind it like on a really slow wicket where um, not a whole lot is happening maybe the last thing Steve Smith wants to face is is that uh, does he necessarily get his iron um, more early in his innings by facing that compared to you know because it's, it's just so different to Broad and Anderson and Robinson and you'd be petrified of getting out to it yeah. we all know that feeling in club cricket when some absolute pie chucker comes on and you just don't want to get out or your mate comes on who, who you know you can't bowl so uh, I didn't mind it you know he only tried it for two overs and then he went back to his main guys so um, worth a crack I look forward to the day where we see Zach Crawley or Ben Ducker get thrown the ball later in the series. Uh, Louis, thanks for joining me for day two of the Birmingham Test. This has been the Unplayable Podcast, brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia. 